When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Utopia Terrier, Stephen Chicken here, joined by David Hartrick on this very quiet, slow, no news day, not a lot happening. I, th- I think I'm going to do a bit of, about Gary Taylor Fletcher becoming the new head coach of AFC Crew. What's going on with you, Dave? I'm just excited to see what GTF can do. I think he can bring a lot to that job. It's uh, it's a good club and I'm looking forward to going into a bit more detail on it. I'm looking forward to seeing if he can at any point in his life take a photo where he's actually got his mouth shut. Yeah, it, he also he also looks a little bit like Martin Waghorn and somebody else stepped into the machine out of the fly, doesn't he? <laughs> Martin Waghorn and a potato. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all the best, Gary. Um, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. I don't know, it's completely needless. Uh, big news today, obviously. Huddersfield Town have announced that Phil Hodgkinson's 75% share has been sold to Dean Hoyle. And Dean Hoyle, at the same time, has agreed to deal with an, at time of recording, unidentified North American group. The contracts have been exchanged. It's all pending approval from the FL, the FCA, all the usual checks that, that need to be done. But that is about as much detail as we have on it at, at this stage, Dave. I think there was there were obviously rumours about rival bids um and those have turned out to be wrong for those of you wondering why we don't report every rumor we hear what what do you how do you see the situation um before i get to that i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say a couple of things you can't and i'm gonna big you up a bit here steve and you know it pains me to praise you you know it physically pains me but i'm just gonna say Steve has had a lot of people over the last, I'd say, three months sending in messages saying, why aren't you reporting on takeover stuff? Have you heard this, etc., etc.? Some of them a little bit more aggressive than others, shall we say. And the thing is, you can't. if we'd have, if we'd have reported or talked about every rumour, town would now be Dutch-owned, they would now be American-owned, they would now be owned by Marcus Evans. Uh, they would now be owned by a consortium that was linked to a Brazilian agency at one point. They would now be. We've we've heard we've heard it all. Okay, and Steve has heard it all and has been well across all the rumours. But if you want any proof that your Huddersfield Town chief football writer knows what's going on, but he just can't report things until they're factual. We're recording this on the Thursday because we knew things were happening this week and we waited. We, You know, Steve hasn't been able to do anything before this. So I'm not having a run, but I'm just defending you slightly, which I know you wouldn't do, that the reality of the situation is we can now talk about it. We've now got something concrete to chat about. It isn't much information, but here we are. So 
we're both quite happy about it because we've heard all the rumours, we've known all the things, we have known things from inside the club as well, but we just can't talk about it and can't report it because they are rumours. Now we can. Yay! We're happy again. Yeah. And also, even some of the stuff that might have been true or might have had truth to it at the time, etc. People tell us stuff off record, mm. you know, and, and I'm not talking about the club who who, you know, have been completely silent on it throughout, as legally they, they have had to be. Third parties who might be close to the deal or might have info or whatever, they pass stuff on to us and it's off record. We can't report it. That's mm. what off record means. So until someone is willing to actually go on record, you know, we can't. There's violations of trust there. It's it's pretty common ac- across journalism. And, you know, obviously we always want to bring you all the information we can. Uh, obviously, we, I, I think... I think maybe there's a misapprehension that a lack of reporting equals a lack of work. Yeah. I don't think I've spent more time on the phone, on on WhatsApp, you know, digging into stuff um, than I have the past the past couple of weeks. Mm. Um, just to be ready for stuff, uh, you know. I've been writing stuff at, at eleven o'clock at night just in case yeah. such and such happens or such and such doesn't happen. So we do have something to talk about now, and I think it's quite exciting, Steve. You know, we haven't got a lot of information, but I think legitimately it's all right to be excited because it's been a miserable season, hasn't it, ultimately, <laughs> on the pitch. At least this feels like, even though we don't have any details yet, at least this feels like something new to talk about, doesn't it? It at least shows that progress has been made, you know, yeah. and that they have been working on it and there has been a sense of urgency about getting it done. I think obviously i think it depends on your disposition i think i sort of generally my attitude is always sort of wait and see whether it's a new sign and a new manager new owner whatever their reputation is previously whatever they've done elsewhere i'm kind of quite well let's just see how they do because god knows there's plenty of players managers owners who have done a less than stellar job at one club and then go to another club and find Mm -hmm. that they're something else completely different um so i I think obviously that the details being quite thin on the ground will concern some people i think there will be Mm -hmm. some people be like well what are the details is there is there going to be debt leveraged onto the club or is it mm. being bought outright oh they, they, the, there are very, you know, very a le- million unanswered yeah questions. there are some very but, legitimate questions aren't there and and but we, I, we let's be honest we have them ourselves don't we oh yeah i mean i've i've literally written a piece called all the unanswered questions and it's you know who are they first <laughs> of all who are the new owners yeah uh what are their ambitions what are their plans how is it going to be financed how quickly is it going to get done what happens to Canal Side? What happens to the John Smith Stadium? Mm. What happens to town town women? All these questions, and I'm sure that we're going to get answers to a lot of that in in time. I'm sure it it will come out somewhere who these new owners are if the club don't announce it first. Um, but what we I I think, but but yeah, I think it is as I say. It's but I think you're also quite right that there is sort of hope now. It's it's at least it's a light at the end of the tunnel. And whether that's an exit or an oncoming train, we'll need to see. But it's a light, and that's better than being left in the dark altogether. Yeah, what I was going to say is the things we know factually is that the ownership at the club had essentially stagnated a bit. The 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 investment was at a certain level last summer and in January, and it wasn't that they weren't getting players, but obviously there was a ceiling to what they could do, and 
you know, the the net result of what they've done is that they're in the relegation places and in our heart of hearts we still think it's a huge job for them to get out ultimately. Yes. Um they might do, who knows. The funny thing is, when you get something like this resolved, it, it doesn't it lifts a cloud a bit, doesn't it? And the thing is it can change people's mentality and it can People don't like consciously sort of switch off or play badly or anything like that. But when your future suddenly feels a little bit more certain, it can change things. So who knows? I've, I've genuinely no idea. My gut feeling is Town will probably still be a League One club next year. But a couple of results might change that. But what, as I said, I just think the leadership had stagnated a little bit. Not through anyone's fault, but just because of the circumstances... It was a complicated deal because of the the old ownership, and you know we won't go into it all. But obviously, pure legal, uh, well, pure the pure groups situation obviously made things quite difficult to untangle and get done and get over the line. But you know, contracts have been exchanged. It's on the official club website. Things will happen. You know, relatively pacey now. There may not be a true sort of change of the guard until the end of the season it may happen before but I would I would have thought at this point they might just want to pick the end of the season as sort of an arbitrary point to 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 step in um who knows who knows but well I, I've looked at as a point of comparison Coventry City were recently taken over yeah and and it took between them announcing their takeover and the exchange of contracts and the intention to sell etc and actually getting EFL approval and the deal being done, it was about two months, just under two months. Mm. So you would be looking at just after the end of the season, if that is any guide. Who knows if it is? Could be more complicated, it, it, could be less complicated. It kind of it kind of feels written in the stars to me that last home game of the season, <laughs> the new the new owners are there. I don't, as I said, no insight whatsoever. It's just it's just one of those hunches that I think uh, you know. We, who knows? Ultimately, who knows? But I just, I just think legitimately, it's fine for people to have questions, but at the same time, to be quite excited, it's perfectly acceptable to have two yes. emotions at the same time. If anything, it's quite grown up. So <laughs> you know, it, it is, it is interesting, and I think people might be able, even be able to hear it in mine and your voices. You know, the last month in particular has been. A bit difficult because there's been so much we've not been able to talk about and so much information flying out there and a lot of information that we couldn't even step in and quash in truth when we knew it was knew it was garbage. So mm. yeah, you know, at least we've got new things to talk about and and, you know, roll on Mbappe and Ward up front next season. <laughs> I think it sort of changes the tone, doesn't it? From oh, we don't even know who the manager's going to be next yeah, season to yeah. oh, who's the manager going to be yeah, next season? Exactly doesn't it? That. Like just just that announcement today sort of changes it from that. And you know, as I say, there's so many unanswered questions. Who knows what the owners' new owners' intentions will be? Whether they plan to turn Huddersfield Town into next Brighton and Hove Albion, or whether it's you know just an investment to them and they're happy to stay in the championship or you know there's whether they're gonna put a load of money in and try and accelerate up the leagues as quick as possible whether it is 
this is you know we're happy with running a, a lower mid table championship mm. side and you know I, and then we'll sell it on in three years time having got it if, a bit more stable who knows if you will permit me a few seconds of absolutely wild speculation I would say that the way and the timing of the deal and the way the season's gone I, the one thing is I think if they are a league one club next season whoever it is who has taken it on will ultimately be in a in a real hurry to get out of that league and yeah. that's good because yeah. that league is horrible it's like quicksand you, you you've got to <laughs> you've got to get out as quickly as you can just ask Charlton and Bolton and Sheffield Wednesday and various others who are in there so I think it, it could be quite a sort of busy summer in some regards anyway but I, I would have mm. thought if they are in League One they'll be desperate to get out of there fairly quickly I would have thought if they're still a championship side they will be looking at that as a massive bonus and they will want to obviously vastly improve on this season so again I think it could be quite a busy summer Um and you know, ultimately, football doesn't matter. It's about whether you win the transfer market, Steve. And I just want to see Huddersfield Town <laughs> win the transfer market. Yeah, they're, they're only going to get one chance to make a, a first yeah, impression. Very much so. It is, and they? they will make some mistakes, Steve, because new owners yes. always do when they come in. They'll 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 either buy a couple of duffs for too much money, or they'll appoint the wrong manager because that's just what new owners do. But like you can't sort of you can't just focus on that and ignore if they get 75% of everything else right can you that's yeah. that's the thing I, I think I think you're right I think Dean Hoyle said outright last summer even before he was stepping away from the club he did a, an interview with Radio Leeds didn't he where he was saying mm-hmm. I'm, you know I'm putting in 10 million pound plus into this club at the moment and ideally my level of investment personally I would like to be putting in more like 5 million pounds mm-hmm. and you know I think obviously football gets more expensive as time goes on the gap to the Premier League gets gets bigger um, and championship the amount of money that a lot of other championship clubs oh, are spending I mean absolutely I'm not I'm, I'm not saying this to excuse town because you have to sort of live in the you know you have to play the game that you're playing you can't play you know high-minded ideals but you know <laughs> more clubs should be like town in terms of the level of spending yeah. um rather than being like a you know a reading well, or a if you want a cautionary tale steve i'll i'll tell you one wigan made i think it was a two and a half million quid loss getting promoted from league one because they spent 157 quid on wages for every hundred pound they earned they're now in the championship they've increased that wage bill they can't pay it they've now missed wages for four months and they're looking at a points deduction well they have been deducted they have been deducted at this point but um, i think they could get more steve from what i'm told Mm. um because it because yes they're they're doing a further investigation um, and they are undoubtedly going to get relegated and they are undoubtedly going to be in a far worse position next year under this current ownership the way things are going so there's plenty of cautionary tales out there. You look at your Reading. Look at you know almost anyone in that championship. So Bolton. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we hope we hope they spend money, but they spend a level of money that doesn't then leverage the future of the club on anything. Because ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, one great season is not worth four absolutely desperate ones, is it? That's that's the thing. So. We shall see. But yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. And I think, um, you know, as I said, it's fine to feel nervous and excited. 
It's how I feel every, to... every Christmas morning, Steve. You want them to spend it, but spend it by being effing disciplined. Yes, that's it. That's it. You got to effing die for those three points. Yeah. But who? Do you, um, I'm just hoping. I like. I've seen a lot of like USA, USA on on Twitter. I'm hoping they play up to that. Let's have Kobe Jones as manager, Bob Bradley as assistant. Let's have Gio Reyna up top. <laughs> let's have Dwayne G- Holmes suddenly gets the captain's armband. Yeah, let's have John Arks <laughs> at fullback. Let's do it all. Let's. You know, let's go full USA, USA. Huddersfield Town could never possibly succeed under an American. <laughs> let's just leave that one there. <laughs> we are a little um, club. <laughs> as American as apple pie. Um, yeah, I, I, we'd love to talk more about the takeover, but as we say, Not sort of details are sort of so scarce at the moment. <laughs> there isn't much more to say at this point. I'm sure we'll have uh, plenty more to say whether that's in a, a few days or a few weeks or whatever it might be, there's there's plenty more to unpick here. But on the pitch, got a couple of games to talk about. Norwich and Millwall drew in Norwich, beat Millwall. Uh, who saw that coming? You and I both did. I yes, put a we did. On it. We've done a lot of trumpet blowing on this podcast. <laughs> Been a lot of I've bet, bet on a town win for ages. I, I did on on Saturday, but there we go. The, the Norwich game first. Awful first half. Yeah. Much better second half, right result on balance, proper game of two hours, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it, the first half, it's rare to see 45 minutes of football that makes you grateful for having COVID. They were abs- <laughs> It was absolutely <laughs> rotten, and I'm glad I wasn't there. Because there was just... Right, when I say that, please understand, I'm pointing at both sides there. I thought Norwich were pretty wretched as well. Yes, I, it was yeah. just... It's like two teams that couldn't be bothered with the hassle of having to play a game of football. And the second half, I thought town were improved. And I thought, do you know what? When you look back and you think, if they are to get out of this, there's always a moment, isn't there? There's always, like last season, the whole season really hinged on Sepp van der Berg's own goal for Preston. And it just got town into out of a, a slight mini rut that they were in early in the season and suddenly they started playing and got going that own goal was I mean it was a ridiculous own goal I don't know what the defender was doing but yeah the Norwich own goal. yeah when it comes back off the post and onto him it was very easily avoidable that but that's the sort of moment that does you know I hate to say it because we still think they're probably going to go down but that is the sort of moment that can suddenly change fortunes and yeah, you know, it was a point, it was a home point, but I thought it was important that they just looked a bit better second half, didn't they? They just, for the first time in a long time, I wouldn't say they like found another gear to sort of suggest they were suddenly brilliant, but they just looked mm. like they had something else rather than just 90 minutes of the same thing. So, yeah, and again, to blow our own trumpets, we both actually said on Saturday, and we do have the WhatsApp receipts to prove it, mm-hmm. that we both just weirdly fancied them to get a win at Millwall, didn't we? We did, yeah. I, th- I think against Norwich, second half, they played a lot more on the front foot. They were mm. 30 yards further forward. They were still taking a lot of long shots when you look at it. They, they didn't get close to goal. It was still very mm. speculative. So although they had all that territory and it felt very... Alamo last ten minutes, particularly after the goal, um, it, it they actually didn't test the keeper that much. Which, uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll get onto that in a moment. But yes, Millwall going into that game, uh, I wrote in the talking points. I thought it was going to be a single goal game, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because that's just how Millwall have been this season. They've won a lot of games by... They're very like town last year. Win a lot of games by a single goal. They win a lot of games by sheer sort of rugged determination and, and being clinical and having sort of, you know, one uh, midfielder who is far too good for this division. Stylistically, obviously, they're different. But mm. Millwall also hadn't kept and still haven't kept a clean sheet at home since New Year. I no. know that they they have played a lot of very good teams. They've had an awful run of, of home games uh, since the New Year. But even still, you know, we know we talk about the psychology all the time and, and I'm sure that, you know, that that will have played into them a little bit but they were still a very good team you know they're, they're up in up in the playoffs for a reason um it was always going to be a tough game and and I thought town gave a really really good account of themselves not quite from the first minute Millwall should have gone ahead five minutes in um Vogel Summer who had picked out as the danger man thankfully turned it over the bar um but then after that it was they really did a good job at keeping mm. Millwall at arm's length. Obviously, we need to talk about Romani Edmonds Green. My boy, who, yeah, it's been. Uh, it was nice to see that performance. Mm. I think he he struggled when he first came back in against Burnley. He's been had a couple of all right performances, and then this game was like, oh yeah, we really rated this lad a couple of years ago. Obviously, we didn't see him when he was at Rotherham last year, but by all accounts, he was excellent for them. Started this season very poorly and ended up being sent out on loan but a bit of a re-announcement for Ramani who mm. I think a month ago we wouldn't have expected Warnock to to have made him quite a key player for time now yeah I thought what was interesting was a lot of sort of people were raising eyebrows that, that he was essentially switched to midfield but he was switched to midfield with quite a specific brief and I think that kind of suits him. I don't. I'm not casting any aspersions here, but I think Romani is a player who doesn't want to have five different things to do in 90 minutes. I think he quite likes. This is your role. Go and perform that role to the best of your ability. And he and he did. I thought he did a really good job. And he was. He looked much more like that very intelligent defender that I saw playing for the B team, and when he started coming through, who looked ahead of say a, a Critchlow because he you could just see in his brain he had more of a picture he had more of the game worked out and I think having that specific job allows him to get that picture back so he can understand the game state a bit more and understand what to do in and out of possession a bit more and yeah you know I still I can't help it I still like him you know I still really really like him I don't know if he'll be at town next season because we don't know if anyone will be at town next season but it's quite clear that it's a bit of a problem area for town that he is currently the solution to whether he will be until the rest of the season I've no idea but this international break is interesting because I think it gives Town and Warnock a little bit of a chance to work on a few things. Um, I'm not a great advocate of, you know, oh, well, they've got an international break, so they've got all this time and they can come back different because how many times have we seen Town come back after a break for something and they've been awful? <laughs> they've managed to return worse. So I'm not a great believer in that, but I think it's quite... I think coming as after a four-point week in the situation they have where they are a little bit closer, they've still got a massive job ahead, but they are a little bit closer, and there are teams around them who are doing their absolute best to give Town a chance of catching them, like QPR, like <laughs> Reading. 
I think it's quite an interesting time to have a little bit of time to work on things after a four-point week. And that Middlesbrough game suddenly feels really, really interesting. Whereas a couple of weeks ago, it felt like a write-off. It felt like a complete write-off. You look at that game now and you think, "Mm, okay, okay, let's let's see what they come up with here. And I think little things like having Romani, who you know now can do a certain job really, really well, suddenly you've got another option in another area of the pitch. And again, these little marginal gains can add up to a, a bigger gain, but let's be honest, ultimately their problems are still further up the pitch, still higher up the pitch. Yeah, I, I, I think Romani is pretty representative of, of a bit of a change in the garden. I'm not going to I'm not going to try and say, oh, the best thing that ever happened to Neil Warnock was losing 4-0 twice in a row. <laughs> Obviously, you'd rather have had points in those games. You'd rather the team he'd picked that had actually performed. But I do think he he has taken the the lessons out of those games and has learned, I think, which players he, he can and can't trust. And, you know, there has been a bit of that change in the guard. Romani has, has come in where he wasn't anywhere near the side previously. Josh Grome has come back in instead of Joe Hungbo, who I think we all would have said was playing quite well, but he's obviously decided that but defensively Karoma offers a lot more, which and, and let's be honest, surprised me. Let's let's have a moment here for Karoma though, because I think I mean ultimately mm-hmm. I think that's right. I think he has yeah. been putting in a shift on the back yeah, foot. And our our criticism of Josh Karoma <laughs> when, you know, he got bumped out to Pompey and everything, and we'd gone from thinking, Okay, here's here's a potential like three, four million pound striker in the future to what's happened to him was that he just couldn't defend you know Carlos Corbin clearly didn't like the fact that he just couldn't get back and work back but yeah you know again marginal gain suddenly Josh Caroma has learned when to track a man and when to just sit in a space to stop that space being available and I think again it's it's these little things that do make a bit of a difference but we really want him facing goal don't we that's the thing yeah it was previously, and what this is why Carlos Corbran never particularly rated him. I think if he didn't score, he yeah, didn't, it didn't do anything. He, he didn't do anything. Mm. I mean, if you're being cynical, you'd say he looks like a player who knows that he's out of contract in the summer and needs to find a new club and has <laughs> but that, know, not done I mean, great at Portsmouth. That, but right now, that's fine. Fine, <laughs> fine. <laughs> <You> yeah. <know? laughs> um, and he and he is doing it. You know, I think. Uh, ben Jackson as well on the mm. other side. I think he and, he and Corona are similar. They're, they're not sort of perfect. Um, you know, they they each have sort of ten minutes in each game where where they do let their man go a little bit. But overall, I think they're they're doing a good job. I think initially when Warnock came in, he was very keen on having attacking fullbacks. You know, I think he his initial idea was Jaheim Headley and Matt Lowton mm. as attacking fullbacks or wing backs who were effectively playing as wing-backs and then would get back to defend. I think Lowton, Lowton's poor form and Headley's injury, probably, and obviously those four nils, um, I think has prompted a bit of a rethink as, OK, well, let's go the other way. Let's just have limited right-back and limited left-back, yeah. uh, whether that's Edmunds Green or Pearson, and then Ruffles on the other side. And then we'll get the wingers to come back rather mm. than asking the fullbacks to go forward. And I think that 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 sort of, that four at the back with those players coming back is is working at the moment. But you know we've, we've singled out a few players there. But I think everyone against Millwall had a a good game. You know I thought mm. Tom Lees was exceptional, particularly in the first half. He bailed them out a couple of times. Um, first half, I think sort of the rest of the the back line sort of rose to his level after the break, uh, and meant that that he was doing less sort of last. Stuff. Uh, I've actually had another good game. Uh, Jack Radoni 
his running stats must have been absolutely insane mm. for that game. He he never stopped as he hasn't all season. And I know not everyone is is Jack Rodoni's biggest fan. He, he obviously, I think he it's fair to say he, he probably holds onto the ball a bit longer than, than he should a lot of the time in the final third. But that team, because of the, because of other individuals in that team, that team desperately needs a runner. And now they've yeah. they've they've sort of discovered again. They've sort of discovered Rodoni's role in that, haven't they? And they mm-hmm. he does he frustrates me, you know. And we've spoke about it on here that he's clearly going to be a really good player, but he's not there yet. But again, at the moment, he's doing quite a specific job, and he's it's what they need at the moment. So. It may change yet again before the end of the season, but yeah, it, he his running is kind of allowing other people to do what <laughs> to do what they do better as well. So yeah, he's a bit of a facilitator at the moment. When I think people were hoping he was going to be the the creator, weren't they? Mm. And still are ultimately. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting how Neil Warnock used Jonathan Hogg against Millwall as well. Did you notice he was? He he often presses with the front two. Did you mm. notice Hogg was the other one in the two mm. um, for a lot of the game? Which you know I think is is probably a smart move. He's, you, he's not as mobile as he once yeah. was, Jonathan Hogg. Well, that's um, that's exactly so, it. So you either have him high or you have him deep. And if if you trust your defence and you don't think necessarily you need the extra body in there, then why not use him higher? You know. So again, I think. I think we come back to like something we said a couple of weeks ago, which is I think some people can be a bit unfair on Neil Warnock and just assume he sets his teams up a certain way and sends them out for the first half, gives them a kick in at half time, and then it's full time and hopefully they've won. You know, there was a lot of subtlety in a lot of the things that they did and quite a lot of intricacy. So stuff like that does take a little bit of time as well so I think also we have to sort of note that we are looking at a team that have had Warnock for what a month now is it a month mm-hmm. yeah and I think yeah. that was that was game ever- to game yeah yeah between Birmingham and Millwall it's a month exactly so yeah so I think that is is a bit evident as well now which is which is encouraging we still think it might be a bit too late but it at least gives them a chance of now fighting Whereas me and you were both absolutely through the floor because we were, they they weren't they weren't even laying a glove on anyone, were they? No, and I think those issues sort of still haven't gone. I think I did I enjoyed my Wednesday afternoon doing a, a basically digging into the numbers on FBRF um, and and try to find the points of difference in in Warnock's side. Obviously, they have been more direct. Uh, you know that notably more direct they're playing fewer short passes they're playing more long passes and they're dribbling at opponents a lot more which not always successfully I think the games where they've dribbled at opponents the most uh, <laughs> they haven't won any of them but it's it's clearly an instruction I think that's where he values Jack Rodoni and Brahima Diara and Ben Jackson and Josh Karoma so highly because it's it's them that's doing the bulk of that that work. I think they're doing they're doing the jobs that I think without. I mean, it sounds really cruel to say this. I don't mean this cruelly, but some fans will jump on this. I think they're doing the job that I think he saw Scott High doing in training, and then couldn't yeah. work out why he couldn't necessarily parlay that onto the onto the pitch and into the first team. Uh, it's fair enough. Yeah, but I think in attack they are still a bit of a state. Yeah. They've had. Some games where they've had more shots, they've had some games where they've only had four. They didn't have a shot on target against Norwich. 
Um, they've had some games where they're like Norwich, where they're just hitting it from from twenty yards. They've had other matches like West Brom, where they're clearly trying to get closer to goal before they they have their shot. They've had some games where they are dribbling a lot. As I say, they've had a couple of games where they haven't dribbled a lot. They've even had a couple of games where they've been trying to be patient and try to pass the ball. Coventry, for instance, the stats for Coventry are actually quite surprisingly promising in attack. And then you remember it was a, a four nil um, defeat. So. Um, obviously the the defensive issues in that game massively cost them but I think that sort of speaks of a team that still doesn't know what it's doing in the final third and again we we have been here before under Mark Fotheringham where we've said they look like they know what they're doing off the ball but on the ball they still don't look entirely certain good great to see Danny Ward get on the score sheet obviously at Millwall it was his first goal since since October Ben Jackson's first assist I believe as well um but even that goal came off defensive work you know Mm. it was Jack Jackson pressing uh Millwall rushed the pass ruffles intercepts it gives it back to Jackson Jackson crosses goal and you know that there was an element of look against Millwall obviously when you when you look at the numbers they've only had four shots two on target um but you can see the work rate and and the players that are in there now as we mentioned are the, the players that that Warnock trust to put that that work in and mm. there isn't that element of you make your own look I obviously I think the difficulty in, in sort of weighing up their survival prospects one very few clubs I know it's only down to three points now thanks to Cardiff's game weirdly uh, the weird circumstances around that getting abandoned in a game where the sprinklers were on at half time reportedly uh, away to Rotherham Cardiff were winning that game of course and they have that game in hand now but even if the gap stayed three points you know even if they went to Rotherham and, and, and lost surviving off three a three point gap at this stage of the season barely ever happens when I've looked at the last 30 years of, of second tier football it's it's like a 10% survival rate yeah. um, so you know the, those odds are, are quite slim but also I think with the fixtures they've got even if Town play at their best and I think there's an argument that that against Millwall was possibly Town's best performance of the season um, they're still reliant on luck because they've got so little in the final third and even if they played like that every game you know, if they replicate that Millwall performance every game, I think they probably win three, lose four and draw one kind of mm-hmm. thing because too much of it is still down to chance and who knows whether that would be enough to to keep them up. Um, so it's... it's. I know people would love to... You know, I've had a couple of <laughs> tweets that sort of... G- gently, not like the ones we talked about earlier, but, you know, suggesting like, oh, why are you talking about a faint hope? It's not like we're sort of 15 points behind, but... I think you and I just need to be a bit realistic about it rather than suggesting the season is safe yeah. because they've beaten Millwall. I mean, we will still do this pod next season if it's in League One, but like we'd rather do it about a Championship club. Mm-hmm. So we don't. It's not like we want them to go down or anything. It's just that circumstances, statistics, and history are not on their side. Now that's not mm-hmm. to say they can't. They can't do it, um, and you know we hope they do. And to be honest with you, like I just think the the way things are going this season, they might be helped out by another club. You know, if Reading go mm-hmm. and, and that investigation, they do get another few points taken off them. Suddenly things do get very interesting. Bear in mind Town have to play Reading on the final day and Reading at the moment look absolutely shocking. So who, who knows? But I think all we're saying is that they do look like they've got, they're at least fighting now. 
they do look like like Josh Ruffles is almost sort of emblematic of somebody who was was has struggled this season a hell of a lot. Even the QPR game, where he got you know he got a brace and one of them was an absolute wonder game, uh, wonder goal. He he was still quite actually quite poor a couple of times defensively. He has suddenly looks a bit more comfortable and looks Mm. like he's he's there's a little bit more to come from him. So yeah, just go down fighting because I think the other thing is it changes the complexion of your summer because when they came down from the Premier League, they were relegated before Christmas. Let's be honest. They were relegated before Christmas. And then Dean Hoyle being ill, the the nature of that January transfer window, which was, was shocking, just further condemned it really. And that, that whole season that followed and having to get the Cowlers in, it was just one big hangover. They've got a chance now with a new ownership coming in to to really have a sort of before and then type of summer. If they go down but they've gone down fighting, that feels a hell of a lot different to doing what they were, which was just sleepwalking into it. And I wouldn't say it wasn't like anybody felt like they didn't care, but the performances on the pitch, there was just... I saw one or two people being slightly critical of, of the crowd at the Norwich game, and it's like, well, yeah, but have you been to a town game this season? There's not been an awful lot to cheer about. You know, there's not been an awful lot for the fans to get behind and enjoy. There really hasn't. So if you can just get the crowd a little bit back on side and then go into the summer in a different frame of mind, I, I genuinely think it makes a big difference, Steve. You know, makes a big, big difference, particularly when... If they do go down, as I said, that league one, it's it's quicksand. It's horrible league to get out of. It really is. So, yeah, we we shall see. But there are encouraging signs against Millwall. Middlesbrough feels like a big game. If they if if they could go and win that game, then I think me and you would have to start talking in terms of, oh, have they got a <laughs> have they got yeah. a chance here? They still need people to help them out. Obviously, that's another big sort of tick in the relegation box that they are ultimately very reliant on other people's results but yeah you know it'd be nice it would be nice to see something again against borough wouldn't it it would i think i think those next three games are, are yeah. pretty horrible to yeah. be honest you know middlesbrough then watford away and then then blackburn at home and let's not forget as well you know those are in the space of nine days because it's mm. easter weekend so they'll play watford on the friday and blackburn on on the monday kind of thing and Watford though, Watford, Watford are beatable. <laughs> Watford are beatable. This is the thing. I think if they can get out of those those three games with maybe three or four points, after that, you know, it's Swansea away, who mm. realistically nothing to play for this season. Sunderland away, realistically nothing to play for this season. Obviously, Cardiff away is a is a massive game, and then. Sheffield United, if they've been promoted already, because that's the penultimate day of the season, and they, that game's been they, moved. They ain't catching Burnley, so no. it's not like there's a title race on. No, but they, you know, they can obviously if they can get second before mm. they play Town. Probably the ideal thing for Town would be Sheffield United claim automatic promotion the weekend mm. before they come to the John Smiths, um, and they've all been out celebrating on the the Saturday night. They need Sheffield United to be Brighton because. <laughs> we yeah. we every time we've looked like we're going to win a league, the minute we've got promoted, our entire squad has just gone on on the ale and basically managed to <laughs> managed to come second. It's an eternal frustration to me. We've done it twice in League One and once in the Champ. You've told me that you don't care about that. <laughs> I don't I I don't care about it. But the problem is, like 
I'm a great believer. I mean, this we're getting way off the point here, but I'm a great believer in in trophies. You know, I do not understand why teams write the League Cup off. You know, mm. like if Brighton won a League Cup, I I'd be unbearable, Steve. I mean, you should just block me on WhatsApp for about three weeks. So yeah, I'd love it. I'd love it if we won something. Anyway, Huddersfield Town. <laughs> And then Reading final day. You know they finished the season with two home games. And Reading, you know, I, I think... tell you what, Reading are wretched, Steve. They they're the ones. A lot of people are talking about QPR, and rightly so. But Reading with Paul Ince as manager as well, lest we forget. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. As I say, I think we're not. We're. I think we're not really revising. I'm still sort of in. We're going to assume they're relegated unless they show us otherwise mode. But I think that Millwall game has t- kicked me halfway back towards actually they've got a real, real fighting chance here. Yeah. You know? and, and I think any any win either of the next two, and I agree, I think I'll be fully there with you. Um, I know you're not there yet either, but you know what I mean. You and I will both be. I, I, I'm exactly where I said. I think if they if they... I think with that Middlesbrough game, even if they lose that game, but we come away going, do you know what? They actually played really well there. And if they play like that again, they're, they're going to take points from another game. Because ultimately, lest we forget, Middlesbrough are A, a really good side, and B, have the most informed striker in the Championship, which, as somebody who watched him play for Brighton, is genuinely <laughs> the biggest <laughs> surprise of the season to me. Um you know, if they don't get something from that game, fair enough. But if they don't get something from that game, they then have to get something from Watford. You know, or mm. I do think it's you. You can't yeah, yeah. We, you can't keep asking people to do your favours like they have done so far this season, including the weather. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, lovely. Do you have a musical recommendation for us? I do. In 1998, the Wise Guys produced an album called The Antidote, which many people will know from their excellent single, Ooh La La. Uh, But yeah, I've just been... It came up on Spotify a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, oh, I've not listened to that for years. And now I've, I've done that classic thing of not listening to anything else for about a week. It's a great album. Lovely. I'm going to go with Desire I Want to Turn Into You by Caroline Polachek, which includes a song called Sunset that sounds... She must be livid at the, the producers of The White Lotus, is all I'll say, because the, the vocal warble that she does in that song, which I believe was recorded before the second series came out, sounds exactly like the vocal warble on the opening credits to season two of The White Lotus. I thought when you said that, I thought you were going to say I'm going to recommend Desire by Gala. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> a regular at the John Smith Stadium. Yes, as we both are. Yeah, he's got his trampolines. <laughs> right then, Dave, thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Don't know when that'll be, probably after, unless we get sort of big details on the takeover. Yeah, we'll do It'll something. It'll probably be for after the uh, Borough game, won't it? Yeah, I'd have thought so, because there's not an awful lot else to talk about before then. Is <laughs> <it>? <laughs> exactly. Right, see you next time. Goodbye. See you there.